Hi, everyone, and welcome to back to today's Hope A Thing, a podcast. I am your host today. My name is Alyssa Atkins, and I am the Training and Development Coordinator for the Native Learning Center. With me today is Crystal Sedino, the Training and Development Manager for the Native Learning Center as well. And today we are going to discuss the Boys and Girls Clubs in Indian Country. Our special guest to lead this conversation today is going to be Carla Knapp the National Vice President Native Services for BGCA, which is the Boys and Girls Club of America, and Jackie Van Hus, Director of Strategic Growth for Native Services of Boys and Girls Club of America. Carla, would you like to go ahead and tell us about yourself and introduce yourself to our viewers? Absolutely. Well, thank you for inviting us to the podcast today. We're so excited to talk about Boys and Girls Clubs in Indian Country. So my name is Carla Knapp and serve as a National Vice President, as you mentioned, at Boys and Girls Club of America for Native Services. But I want to introduce myself. I'm also a proud tribal member of the Penobscot Indian Nation. So um, that's how I'd like to introduce myself. Um, but going back to Boys and Girls Clubs in Indian Country, um, we're going to really dig into it shortly, but the first Native club was established in 1992, um, but Native Services was established in 2013, and that's where my journey began with the national organization, recognizing the need for culturally relevant but culturally competent services as well. And so that is when Native Services was established, and you'll hear more later about our commitment to our tribal nations where we have so much respect for their sovereignty um, and we share a like-minded mission of youth first. So um, thank you for inviting us today. Of course, thank you for being here today. Um, Jackie, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself for our viewers as well? Sure, um, like Carla stated, Manahui Bosa'os Inum, Jackie Van Hus. I am the Director of Strategic Growth. Um, like you stated, for uh, Native Services, Boys and Girls Clubs of America, and I too am a proud enrolled tribal citizen of my tribe, the North Fork Rancheria of Mono Indians of California. Um, I have the distinct honor and pleasure of working with tribes, tribal governments, um, tribal entities that desire to charter a Native Boys and Girls Club in Indian Country. So I'm very proud of that role. Um, my past experience, I'm a former tribal council member elected to my tribe, and also I sat on our Indian Housing Authority's Board of Commissioners. So thank you as well for having both of us today. Of course. Such an honor. <laughs> thank you, guys. Gals, gals, thank you, gals. <laughs> But um, all right, let's dive into the conversation. So initially, uh, Awista and I reached out to Carla to uh, do a podcast episode uh, just for our listeners to give them a little bit of a background to do a podcast episode on IHBG, ICDBG funding um, within developing Boys and Girls Club because we heard, you know, through one of the news sources, many news sources that we get information from, that that's actually something that's possible. So great opportunity to talk about Boys and Girls Club in Indian Country and how it can, you know, get started and any other success stories and so on and so forth. So, Carla, if you want to go ahead and just hit us right off with that, we'd, we'd <laughs> greatly appreciate it. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Maybe I should start with our history. So you heard me talk about 1992, the first Native club in Indian country opening its doors. So you want to know an interesting fact. If it was not for HUD, 
boys and girls clubs in Indian country may not have even been a, a thought. Mm -hmm. And so with drug elimination money years ago, that's how clubs in Indian country were able to start up. So um, I had shared earlier in previous conversations, I have so much mm -hmm. respect for HUD, you know, and their vision of starting boys and girls clubs in Indian country. And so last year in 2022, we celebrated 30 years of boys and girls clubs in Indian country. That's huge, 30 Yay. years. And what I can share is since like that to me was the catalyst that really launched the thought of having clubs in Indian country. And today we have nearly 250 native sites across the nation. And so, um, you know, with the funds that HUD provides, um, there have been new clubs built. There has been support for clubs. We're going to dig more into that, but I wanted to start with the history in partnership with HUD and how they were a huge part in our history. So definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, Native Learning Center wouldn't be here today if it weren't for HUD funds. We're funded through IHBG funds. So I completely understand that. And our reach has been astronomical. You know, I want to stay humble, but also um, it, we have been able to help a lot of tribes, a, a lot of just tribal members, you know, the whole gamut. So I have huge respect as well for HUD. So I share that with you, Carla, and <laughs> completely understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jackie, you have anything to add on that? No, I think it it's the the partnership what Carla Carla mentioned that we wouldn't have been a thought I I believe if it wasn't for that and you know great respect to HUD um for recognizing that you know you there are eligible usages right uh stated and you know like a fact there is a guidance memo from way back in 2010 that does list boys and girls club as a model activity and an eligible activity so you know sometimes you know when we are working with a tribe tribal organization we do stress that point that you know there are other collaborative efforts that you can do with various programs such as your housing program so you know i think that much respect goes out to hud for you know identifying um the great things that boys and girls clubs can offer and do provide to our our native communities mm -hmm. absolutely so we know the who i suppose i guess now we should get into you know the how more or less so with these funds how how can you know our tribes use them and and you know get the process going i'm happy to jump right in because what yeah. i did i just have to pull it up but i looked at even recent funding because we want to give information that's really valuable right now so mm -hmm. let me just um share with you like when we think of what can happen in 2023 so um, many of you may already know and some may not know that in december 29th right of 2022 the consolidated appropriation act was signed into law making $787 million available for the Nahasda Indian Block Grant. So this is the largest allocation for this program to date under the IHBG formula program. So you talked about how they could use it, right? So this is for funding towards both the operation of and capital improvements. And that can mean even for their Boys and Girls Club, which to me is amazing. Yeah. Um, 
The um, final grant awards are going to be announced no later than 60 days from the president's signature. So we're anticipating that tribes will be notified of their awards in late February. And so since the allocation is larger than prior years, we mm -hmm. see this as an increase potentially in grant amounts. Therefore, it's time um, for our clubs to even reach out to their housing authority um, to see how they can invest in their club. And why I say this is after the tribes receive their funds and they write their plans, Boys and Girls Club is allowable in their plans. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it is how they can support existing clubs Mm -hmm. or even help to establish a club for their community. And one thing I shared with Jackie is like the Aquasasini um, Housing Authority, one of their biggest accomplishments that they list was the creation of their Boys and Girls Club. Their Boys and Girls Club is doing amazing work. And if it wasn't for the Housing Authority believing in that vision of establishing a club, and right now they have four different clubs, um, and that is just one example of the power of how a housing authority can support clubs. There's yeah. many more examples. I know Jackie has um, some she probably wants to share, but I just wanted to share what um, tribes can do right now with this right. funding that's coming out. And there's more, but we'll get into that too. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie, anything to add? No, I think like what Carla was saying um, with Aquasasini, with their creation of their Boys and Girls Club, what she stated, along with other tribes such as the Bay Mills Indian community, you know, they used an ICDBG funding to help build their brand new Boys and Girls Club facility for their community. So it's just working in anticipation with the Native Boys and Girls Club team that we have. Um, that shares that information with current existing boys and girls clubs if they're they're desiring to you know create a brand new facility or whether it's with me working with tribes that are establishing a boys and girls club and looking at that funding opportunity that are out there we're always in the know like carla said she makes sure that our team is in the know we have the most readily available when when COVID hit we had the cares act we had arpa funding we scrubbed those like Carla did with the Consolidated um, Appropriations Act new funding. We scrubbed those and make sure that there is an opportunity. If there's an opportunity, we're going to know about it and we're going to be sure that we share that out. Sure. Why don't we talk a little bit about how kind of like the organization structured so that they so that these clubs get the information and so that our housing authorities as well get that information so that they know, oh, you know what, we do need this in our community whether it be kids are getting into trouble, because I know a lot of the time that's what it is. When you have lots of, what do they say, idle hands or is like the devil's work or something like that. So, you know, kids get into stuff. So do you mind sharing a little bit about the structure and how the information could potentially get to, you know, these housing authorities, TDHEs, all of that? I can start and then Jackie, if you want to expand on it. But when we talk sure. about the structure of clubs, one is that, Maybe I'll start at our commitment. We believe every Native youth and every Native community deserves a Boys and Girls Club. And through that commitment, what we have done in our respect of our sovereign nations is that we allow, not allow, we honor the tribe's wish of how they want to structure their club. Right. So every tribal nation, their club may be structured different. 
And, and then that will depend on how information flows, right? Crystal, mm -hmm. what you're trying to really get at is how mm -hmm. can we make sure that every club and every tribe knows of this opportunity? Right. So through um, our respect for sovereign nations, some clubs are chartered directly under the tribal government. And mm -hmm. so we call it a board chair of mm -hmm. the club. It's mm -hmm. the tribal leader. So we can share information that way. And then our club leader, we call them CEOs, although they may be the program director within the tribe. But through that structure, um, they could be chartered under their Department of Education, their Indian Health Services. We even have clubs directly chartered under their housing authority. Yeah. So for them, they're actually always in the know. So it's really important, as Jackie mentioned, for us to scrub this information, make sure we share it out. Mm -hmm. um, and then talk about like how they can advocate to their housing authority director to be included in their plan. So when we talk about the structure, every tribal nation, their structure fits within their structure. Um, mm. So there isn't one size that fits all. Right. And it's our job to also make sure that they get this information. And we are so honored to be here too, because this is just another vehicle to get this information out to them. Exactly, yeah, definitely. Jackie, did you want to expand on anything that I've shared of because um, you're working with chartering tribes, you know? Clubs. Well, well, I think just to expand a little bit, what Carla said is we meet the tribe, the tribal governments where they're at. Mm -hmm. And so what works best for them? So if they desire to charter, like Carla referenced, we have Walker River Paiute out in Shures, Nevada that that chartered their Boys and Girls Club of Agaidakutta Tawamavinobi underneath their housing authority because that works for them. Yeah. But like Carla said, there's three ways to charter, um, but we make we make a concerted effort to respect the tribe or the tribal, you know, the tribal government, mm -hmm. where, what what meets their need, right? Mm -hmm. What what works best? So if they charter directly under their tribal government, great. If they charter under their Indian Housing Authority, great. If they charter under their Indian Health Clinic, because they can, you know, garner that third party billing, right, to sustain their club. The great if they have a, a 501c3, a tribal 501c3, they can charter under that. But what we really do is make a respectful partnership, meet them where they're at, and make sure that, you know, a lot of times, you know, being a former tribal council um, member, a lot of our tribes at times work in silos, right? And so everybody's like, this is my funding. The HUD funding goes here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the tribal TANF funding might go over here. And, you know, so we try to make an effort to help them leverage and work together in a holistic approach, right? Because we're all in it together, so. Yeah, I could definitely see that being an issue because a lot of the time, you know, with IHBG funding, like for us, for example, it's allocated for us in our program, which can cause that kind of, you know, silo or whatever it may be. But it's nice that, you know, it's not a one size fit, you know, for all. You you guys are uh, able to find different ways to make it happen. So, you know, the community establishes the need and then we're like, but we have no idea where it should go, who should, you know, where should the funding be leveraged or anything along those lines? So I know that's always, you know, a huge battle because like you said, I mean, and sometimes there is a greater need, for example, of like of housing specifically. So, you know what I mean? They're like, well, we can't 
totally, you know, allocate these funds to this, but we still want to do it. And you guys kind of bridge that gap and figure out how to make it happen, which is just so nice because I'm sure you guys are aware that with federal funds, a lot of the time it just, it's very kind of like, uh, what's the word? Um, kind of just tunnel vision sort of. Yep. <laughs> and, and, um, the ability to get out of that and expand is what's really, you know, I think really nice. Um, and I think Car Carla teaches us, you know, and stresses us a lot. We are thought partners, right? Oh, we are that. here to be a thought partner, yeah. right? To, you know, maybe they don't think of certain things and maybe right. they're sharing things with us that we didn't think about either. So being mm -hmm. that thought partner is imperative, right? To the success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Do you guys have, um, how about we share some other success stories and, and so on and so forth of maybe clubs that have used, you know, this funding and, and so on? I'll share a couple. And then Jackie, I know there might be some more that you want to um, share, but let's say they're um, providing resources for crime prevention. If you think about it, our housing authorities, right, they're serving families. Mm -hmm. Who lives in the houses but families, you know, parents and children. And so um, to me, collaborating with your Boys and Girls Club is a natural fit within the community where they live, right? It becomes extended family to the youth. And so I have seen those cr crime prevention dollars make a huge difference by an increase in prevention programs. And I always say through collaborations, you're stronger together. And I even say to tribal nations that have an existing youth program, create a club and enhance the program, enhance together, like collaboration mm -hmm. makes you stronger. So I have seen through crime prevention dollars, um, clubs be able to increase programs because at the end of the day, we want, all want our youth to thrive and be successful. Um, because you know what, they're going to become our future leaders, Crystal. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I yeah. have seen many clubs like not, they're not getting a new facility, but they're working in partnership with their housing authority to provide prevention programs, crime prevention activities that are alternatives to um, juvenile delinquency. Yeah. <laughs> I like to be strength-based in my message always. So what I want to say is that it provides opportunities and it makes yeah. a safer community for everyone. I mean, at the end of the day, we're both serving families. Right. And and I think the key thing here is because I have been out to Indian country and I have seen, you know, I guess suppose the damage where you don't have these kinds of resources or they just haven't gotten there yet. You know, so it's it's not a matter of they can't. And a lot of it, I know, is capacity building and so on. But I do know it's possible because I have seen it done. It's just a matter of, you know, finding those resources and using, you know, uh, people like you guys to to see, hey, you know, I see that our community needs this. Um, crime is, you know, rampant within the community and we're trying to make it a safer place. You know, what do we do next or what can we do and and all that? So no, I, I totally, yeah. And youth are our future. I know it's so, it sounds so corny. They're like, kids are the future of tomorrow, but it's like so true. <laughs> like you have to prepare them and they have to know what's, you know, going on and what better way to do it than to have, you know, a facility or the potential of a facility like the Boys and Girls Club in their community to, you know, provide this, you know, kind of service. So 
And you know what I would add is that I've always been someone, you know, someone that has said youth are our future, but for our housing authorities to focus, I'm not focused, but to um, invest in clubs today, Mm -hmm. we also recognize that youth are our right now. Not Mm -hmm. only our future, they're our right now. And so what we do today is going to affect the future, right? So um, for me, for our housing authorities to invest in their clubs, invest in the youth is powerful. Absolutely. Yes. I, I can't back that enough. <laughs> yeah. I know. And, and utilizing that word invest, there's some that we've worked with that, you know, the, the housing commissioners, when they're looking at, you know, allowable, eligible activities, such as, you know, the education programs, or, you know, they say, well, should we get these solar lights for the housing track? Or is it going to be worth investing in the Boys and Girls Club for the $1,500? I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah. And they realize that that $1,500 can make a huge impact at the Boys and Girls Club, yeah. right? And so mm-hmm. utilizing that investment, so whether it's $500 out of that budget or whether it's $5,000, 5 million you know, or an ICDBG grant, $700 million, you know, it is making a big difference. Any amount helps, and it's that communication, right? Mm-hmm. As long as they're communicating and they know and, you know, the Boys and Girls Club are going to the, the housing authorities and explaining this is what we're doing, whether they get a dollar, whether they don't get any money, you know, it's that communication is getting that information out there to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, so do you have anything to add or ask or anything? <laughs> I think it's incredible what both of you do for the Boys and Girls Club. I think your dedication is amazing and it really does go a long way. I like how you guys have communities think outside the box. And I think that's a start. It's like, how do we enhance it? I think that's a great way of putting it. Let's not tear it down. Let's make it better. How do we, you know, how do we move forward and make it inclusive for everyone in Native communities? So I think what both of you are doing is amazing and I love hearing about it and I would love to do more podcasts in the future talking about <laughs> more projects you guys have going on because I just think getting it out there to everyone is very important that everybody like, like you guys said information is key getting it out there is very important yeah. so love that we can do that for you guys. You know, I'll share one more interesting fact, too, just to share the um, appreciation for HUD is years ago, right? I talked about how they were so instrumental in starting clubs in Indian country, and then we pivoted to um, crime prevention. We talked about drug elimination, but HUD was even a, when we're talking about collaboration and partnerships, like locally, too, like it's so important for the housing authority to have a partnership with their youth program, their club, right? Because they're both supporting families. But HUD was instrumental in helping um, Boys and Girls Club of America develop its very first adapted curriculum for Native youth. Um, now that Native services exist, we've adapted many curriculums from um But when we're thinking about crime prevention, drug elimination, it was called smart moves, um, skills, mastery and resistance training. And it was adapted for Indian country. That was the very first curriculum and it was um, with the support of HUD. So um, just think about how that really, like you talked about um, native services and our commitment and our passion, but seeing that one only one piece of curriculum that existed when native services was established, now we have like 13 of some of the best Boys and Girls Club of America's programs adapted. And that was because that program inspired us. So 
Okay. Another interesting fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, why don't we share some of the things that you can actually do within a Boys and Girls Club? Because I think that's that's also going to be important information uh, for our listeners, just to more benefits, <laughs> if you can. <laughs> um, gosh, I could talk a lot about that. That is like, uh, yes, because Boys and Girls Clubs, I think, you know, for a long time, people were thinking it's a place where it's sports. It is so right. much more than sports. It's character and leadership development. It is health and life skills. It's academic success. It's thinking about life skills and um, uh, well, life readiness and workforce development, it is so much more mm -hmm. than just recreation. But what I will say that it's also a place where culture is embedded in everything that they do. And that's so important, whether it's language, whether it's their indigenous foods, their traditions, their dance, but it's embedded in everything, whether we are focused on academic success, prevention, or building strong leaders for tomorrow. So, um, this is like a huge subject of what they do and their commitment to when we think of the pandemic and what um, that has brought to our communities, knowing that existing trauma was there through historical trauma. But what the pandemic has brought, even clubs are becoming trauma responsive to their staff, their youth and just the beauty of it. We just hosted our first in-person conference since 2019. Um, we just had our 30 year celebration and it was the largest number of participants um, that we had. But you can see how um, there's so much love and support and peer networking for clubs across the country that they're not alone. They have such a huge network and mm -hmm. um, sharing best practices, lessons learned. And you can see what's happening in a club is truly making a difference. Oh, I love that because I totally agree. I think a lot of the time, most people's perception of uh, Boys and Girls Clubs are recreation centers, you know, and it's so nice to hear the other side of it. It's like, okay, yes, but we do so much more. <laughs> so let's, let's shine light on all the other things because I, I love recreation as well. However, I'm a big like person where I want to absorb as much knowledge and provide help wherever, you know, possible. So, yeah, that's incredible. Jackie, uh, do you have anything to add on that? Yeah, I, I would just like to add what Carla was saying about um, it's so much more than that. And we could go on for for days, hours, <laughs> days. But I think um, it's important for those listeners out there to know if they were establishing a club, um, if it was, you know, their tribe, those three ways how to charter the 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 club is there a local autonomous organization so you set like what carla was saying you know healthy lifestyles if you do tutoring programs reintroducing indigenous you know foods into your programming you are that autonomous organization you design your program sure there are boys and girls club membership requirements that mm -hmm. that you have to abide by right when you charter mm -hmm. your club but what is so worthwhile for tribes um to charter is because you have that uh, autonomy right you can mm -hmm. design that program if your you know youth want to come in and you help them with their homework right when they get there you give them a healthy snack and then you do cultural dancing or the mm -hmm. girls or the boys they're making regalia or drums 
or maybe you have an elder come in and doing storytelling, you design your program to fit the need of your community. You know, we have a, you know, we do have in a lot of our communities a drug problem, right? Mm-hmm. So if they want to do, you know, the 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 drug prevention portion and that's what's important to them, then that's what's what they do. So I think that's what's exciting. And I want to reiterate that is that they're an autonomous organization. So they design the program to meet the needs of their community. That's amazing. Yeah. I, gosh. And that's, it makes it just that much more exciting because I think it's always, I mean, for anything, it's hard to get buy-in, right? You know, like, okay, why do we need this? Like, what is this really going to do or provide for our community? And it's, it's nice to hear like, oh no, well, these are all the things that you can do with it. You know, it's almost like the sky's the limit pretty much. You know what I mean? Like you said, like you design what fits for your community, your tribe, and so on. So, oh gosh, I love this. <laughs> well, like Car- episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Carla said, with with our oh. culturally adapted programming. I mean, you know, you might come in and say, like what you said, Crystal. We're already doing that. What? Mm-hmm. Why would we need a club? It enhances what you have. Mm-hmm. You build and you grow. You utilize that culturally adapted programming. You utilize the training that Boys and Girls Clubs of America Native Services and Boys and Girls Club, you know, where the national organization provides you and the support that you get. Mm-hmm. You would be, you know, impressed. I would highly recommend anybody listening to go to our website, www.naclubs.org. So like Native American Clubs, mm-hmm. naclubs.org. And there is a plethora of information about Native Services and Native Native Boys and Girls Club in Indian Country. Mm-hmm. And the last piece that I'll add, Jackie, because Crystal and you had me all like excited <laughs> listening to you, to you talk. But I, I've always said this, you know, going back to the word that Jackie shared, it's an, a local autonomous club, right? They mm-hmm. have the autonomy to design the program that meets the needs of their community. If language is a priority, if academic success is a priority, but when that magic happens where they have the autonomy to design it, guess what? Your Boys and Girls Club becomes the heartbeat of the community. Mm -hmm. And that's powerful. I've Mm -hmm. seen that like during the pandemic, you know, meals, feeding youth and families. Together, we served over a million meals um, and it was Isn't that amazing? A million meals to youth and families. And it was through innovation, right? Whether it was grab and go, drop and go, or on-site feeding, like they became, that's, I say they're the heartbeat because when it's designed to meet the needs, they had to pivot, right? Maybe before the pandemic, they were doing workforce development. They were doing all of this and they pivoted and met the needs of the community during the pandemic. When everything shut down, clubs showed up. So, yeah. oh, how amazing. yeah, oh my gosh, I love that. See, you got me so passionate. <laughs> I mean, I can understand why, just like I said, the opportunities are, they're there, they're, you know what I mean, you have, and, and then just being able to enhance programs that already exist, you know, to take it just a step further. It's so, it's nice to hear that. It's very inspiring, I should say. Yes. So, yeah. Very inspiring. I can't wait to tell everyone about the Boys and Girls Club. Whenever I get done with the podcast, I'm always like, guys, guess what I learned today? Like, you have to go check out the website, tell all your friends. And she's not kidding. School. She does. <laughs> she does. 
Um, well, did you, either one of you have anything else you wanted to add, a plug or anything like that, how participants might, or, or our listeners might be able to get in touch or however, whatever or you'd like to do. Contract. Yeah. I, I, we do. Um, um, I know Jackie <laughs> does, but I just want to say that as a national organization, our tribal nations have our commitment, you know, that we truly believe every Native youth and community deserves a Boys and Girls Club, and we will work within their structure to make their vision happen. And, you know, so I just wanted to reinforce our commitment and love and respect for our sovereign nations. And Jackie did mention our website. You can find both of our contact information there. Um, I would also encourage like a tribal leader to contact one of the, not just us, but look at behind Jackie. There's nearly 250 <laughs> native sites across the nation. And we partner with, I think we're close to 175 federally recognized tribes right now partnering with. So um, reach out to other tribal leaders that have clubs reach out that have used their housing authority money to support their club or build a new facility. Visit Bay Mills. They just built a beautiful boys and girls club, but many of them have, you know, through um, housing authority dollars. So that's my call of action. We're here to support in partnership. So Jackie, I know you as a director of strategic growth, you stand ready to work within their structure. What would you like to say? I think just, just uh, reiterating what you said, you know, get on the website, naclubs.org, um, look us up, how to charter a Native Boys and Girls Club. At the very bottom of the page, you can click and there is a map that looks identical to this that shows all of the Boys and Girls Clubs in Indian Country, including American Samoa. Um, and then I, I, along with Carla, encourage them to reach out to us. Our contact information is on there. But as well, like Carla stated, is to reach out to any one of our Native Boys and Girls Clubs because they are the voice. That network is strong. Um, they work together. Um, I was so impressed when we came together again this last year for our 30-year celebration and the network, and, and we call ourselves a family. So yeah. we're, hey, family member, you know, hey, they're part of our family. When I go to National Congress of American Indians or Indian Gaming Association conferences to get the word out to meet with tribal leaders and just to pass out, you know, our collateral material and stuff, we'll see a tribal leader walk by and say, hey, there's part of our family. There's our family member. So um, I think it is, it's that network. Reach out to any one of our clubs. They'll tell you you know, the great things, the not so great things. But, yeah. you know, I think just going back to that collaboration, um, what Carla said about Boys and Girls Club in Indian Country, they're becoming the hub of their community. Um, and I think those silos that we talked about at the beginning are, are going away. They're realizing now because, you know, I hate to say that because the COVID, like Carla mentioned, is that they are the hub. Why are why is Indian Health Clinic going to do a diabetes prevention when the families have to go over there on mm -hmm. Wednesday? And then mm -hmm. maybe housing is doing a crime prevention or or drug prevention activity and they have to go over there. Mm -hmm. Where are the youth? They're mm -hmm. at the Boys and Girls Club. So why not collaborate together and mm -hmm. do it together? And I think that's only like I can't stress that enough. Strengthening Indian country today is that collaboration. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, man, this is good. <laughs> we could talk all day. Give me some more coffee. 
<laughs> you know, I'll no, just give you one other shout out, Crystal, sure. like Lumbee Boys and Girls Club um, in North Carolina. They have eight sites. Every single one of their sites is in a housing authority building. I mean, that's oh, I just a it. great example of, <laughs> yeah. you know, a club they could reach out to and how that partnership works, um, mm. because I think tribal nations want to hear it from tribal leader to tribal leader. Absolutely. But you know, so hear how it's working for them. So I encourage not only reach out to us national to help, but, you know, reach out to your other tribal nations. So, yeah, no, I think that's always a an asset that we kind of forget because, you know, we're we're busy doing what we're doing. Right. And so to hear, oh, oh, I didn't realize that they had, you know, four clubs or two clubs or what, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and oh, OK, yeah, it's at their housing authority. Wait, if they have it at their housing authority, I can do it at my housing authority. That's you know? right. So, yeah, then <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, okay, the wheels start turning, and we, you know, we ultimately help Indian country as a whole, like, be better because you're just sharing a bunch of knowledge, and it's all kind of like, bing, 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 you know, going everywhere. So that's see, great. Crystal, what you said, that's exactly what happened with the uh, Seminole tribe of Oklahoma. Okay, is they thought, hey they did it in their housing authority mm -hmm. we can do it so they chartered their boys and girls club the seminole um, nation of oklahoma chartered underneath their housing authority so you know it's just that that communication and that knowledge and and doing podcasts such as with with you ladies today just helps get that word out absolutely and that's what we're here for <laughs> so i'm i'm glad y'all were able to join us and and talk about it and i i'm I'm foreseeing in the future with Awista more episodes. <laughs> Just, I can sense it. <laughs> so, yes. uh, but yeah, no, thank you both so much. This was very informative and exciting. I think it's a great opportunity for Indian country, housing authorities, TDHEs, all of it. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for the partnership and helping us to elevate boys and girls clubs in Indian country and the impact that they're making, but most importantly, how we can work together in partnership. So thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. And if the Native Learning Center can do anything for you, please let us know. We are here to help as well. So if you would ever like to do a, a webinar, <laughs> we can also schedule that as well. That would be fantastic. Yes. Yeah, we haven't done one in a while, so uh -huh. I think it's definitely time uh, to do one, uh, Carla and Jackie. So, all right. all right. We'd be honored. And thank you, like Carla said, thank you very much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Oista, close us out. Yes, we'll leave it on a cliffhanger. We won't tell you what the webinar will be about, but just know there will be a webinar <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today again. Um, it looks like this episode is coming to an end. Truly appreciate having Jackie Van Hus and Carla Knapp on today. Truly incredible people. Thank you so much for all that you do. Um, don't forget to check out and leave us a comment in the chat below. Let us know how we did, what you liked, uh, your opinions on today's topic. And don't forget to check us out on Apple Podcast and um, on our website, www.nativelearningcenter.com. Thank you so much, everyone.